BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. We got Zack Snyder's Justice League to look at. We got Godzilla vs. Kong box office numbers, release dates, and Disney Plus announcements and, and productions being on schedule and all sorts of things to look at that. Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge monthly update. I am super excited about this one. There have been so many things that have happened in the past month of March are happening in April. We got Zack Snyder's Justice League to look at. We got Godzilla vs. Kong box office numbers release dates and Disney Plus announcements and and productions being on schedule and all sorts of things to look at that I am so excited for. I really genuinely look forward to these monthly updates and I've put in a lot of work into them. So before we get into the topics, please just give me one brief moment to talk about something that's really exciting and a a really great cause through Podchaser. Also, I wanted to mention that there are timestamps in the description because there's so much to cover. I'm going to be jumping everywhere. If you just want to hear something, there are timestamps. Feel free to follow those. That is there for you. So podchaser.com, if you haven't heard me mention it before, is a website that's been often compared to the IMDB of podcasting. You can go and view any podcast on Podchaser, and it's going to have information about the show, where you can download and listen to it, information about the production team, and also gives you an opportunity to leave reviews. I frequently talk about the reviews and how every monthly update, I have a giveaway based off the people who give the reviews. Very soon, I'm going to get to the details about the giveaway that I'm going to be doing specifically for the month of April with these reviews for good, in addition to the winners for this month. So stay tuned for super exciting things about a giveaway that I'm doing. But separate from that, Podchaser is doing something amazing with their reviews. Like I mentioned, you can leave reviews on a show as a whole, so you can leave a review on The Basement Binge, 
you can also leave a review on each individual episode, be it this monthly update episode, the Your Name episode that's coming out, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or WandaVision episodes I just released last monthly update, whatever. You can leave a review on any episode, on any podcast, on Podchaser. It's amazing. So how is it a review for good? What is different about this time? Well, last year, when the coronavirus pandemic was kind of starting as far as the shutdowns in the U.S. go, right in March, April, Podchaser, for the entire month of April, did what they call reviews for good. They're doing the exact same thing this year. So meaning any review that is left on podchaser.com for the entire month of April will cause a donation of 25 cents to Meals on Wheels America's Go Further Fund for every podcast episode review left on Podchaser in April. And for every reply that is given from the podcast podcaster on that review, they're going to double the donation. They're also partnered with a bunch of other organizations and podcast companies to match those donations and just donate a great amount of money to Meals on Wheels of America. So I'm going to talk about Meals on Wheels and why I think that they're important. So in my job, sadly, the podcast is my job. Yeah, maybe that's a dream. But in my job, I work for a Medicare company. For those of you outside the States, all you need to know is Medicare is insurance here in the U.S. that is specifically designed for disabled or elderly individuals. So every day of my life, five days a week, I'm working with elderly individuals. And especially when the pandemic started, and even still now, so many of them are affected by not having access to things they need, including food. Meals on Wheels is an organization that makes a huge difference in that. The amount of times that these elderly individuals that I talk to mention Meals on Wheels is astounding. I found out about Meals on Wheels way before Podchaser because of how frequently these elderly individuals bring it up. In essence, it sounds like it. what it says, Meals on Wheels. Meals are delivered to elderly individuals who are stuck at home. And those individuals who rely on that service has just increased dramatically through the coronavirus. And I know so many elderly individuals who I talk to, especially last year during the holiday season, were so grateful for Meals on Wheels. They wouldn't be having a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal without Meals on Wheels. So the good that Meals on Wheels does is something very near to my heart because I know the impact they do because I interact with individuals who are being blessed by it. So Podchaser is doing something amazing. Like I mentioned, every review that is left on Podchaser, 25 cents is donated to Meals on Wheels, which is amazing. So here's how it works. You can go to podchaser.com slash the basement binge if you want to check out my page on Podchaser, or you can just go podchaser.com, search up any podcasts you enjoy listening to and leave a review. Now, specifically, this is a review, not just a five-star rating. You can leave a rating out of five stars, but you can also leave a review. Any review, meaning words, that are over 20 characters will be eligible for that 25 cents donation. And like I mentioned, every reply from the podcaster will double that donation, taking it up to 50 cents. I plan on replying to every review that is left on Podchaser. And I hope that all of you can get behind this and leave a lot because I currently have 111 episodes on Podchaser through spoiler walls and other random episodes that were released, even though we're nowhere near 100 episodes. But 111 episodes that are potential to be reviewed If just five individuals left a review on all of those episodes and I replied to every single one, which I would do, that would almost be $300 that those five individuals alone would, through no cost to them, be able to donate to an organization that I know does amazing good here for elderly people who really need it and rely on it. That's not even mentioning the matching that Podchaser themselves 
and all these other organizations are going to be doing to all of that money to donate. On top of that, they're just donating money despite what happens with the reviews. So it's a very simple thing. Go to podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Follow the basement binge on Podchaser and leave a review, not just a rating. Leave it on the podcast as a whole and also on all your episodes. I'm going to link it at the top of the show notes. This very episode, this monthly update will be on there for you to be able to review. And it's going to do a lot of good to an organization that is blessing these elderly people's lives. And they really rely on it. So I'm so glad that for this month of April, Podchaser is bringing back the reviews for good. It's an amazing thing. Please go to podchaser.com and review as many episodes and podcasts as you can because it's going to make a significant impact. It's completely free to you. Just have to leave some reviews. So thank you for letting me talk about reviews for good. Now on to the giveaway and what this has to do here with The Basement Binge. So if you listen to the last monthly update that was a little bit late, I talked about how in the, for the month of April, anybody who leaves a review is going to be entered to win one of two digital copies that I have. One is for an HD version of La La Land. Another one is a 4K version of The Last Jedi, Star Wars Episode 8. So in addition to be able to make a difference in the seniors' lives through food and doing amazing good, in addition to helping out the podcast by leaving reviews and helping me know which episodes you do or don't enjoy, you're also entering yourself a chance to win one of two movies. I'm going to give two of those away. That will be announced in the May monthly update, so after the month of April is completed because all the reviews in the month of April will count towards these reviews for good. In May, after this Reviews for Good thing, you're going to be helping out the Basement Binge. You're going to be helping out Meals on Wheels, which helps out seniors here in the United States. You're also going to be entering a chance to win one of two digital copies. In addition, I'm still giving away the screen pass like I do every month through Movies Anywhere. And I'm going to be throwing in an additional rental. So that's, I'm going to get two rentals away, two rental codes on Fandango now. So that's five different prizes you can win. A La La Land digital code. The Last Jedi digital code, a monthly screen pass through Movies Anywhere, and one of two rental codes to rent a movie through Fandango now. I am so excited about these reviews for good that I want to give back as much as I can and encourage you to review. It's an amazing cause that I care so much about, and I'm so grateful that Podchaser is doing this. I had no part in this organization. I'm just grateful that they're a great organization that is doing something amazing that I've seen the benefits of in people's life. So you're also going to have a chance to win free movies. Who doesn't love that? Now to get to the people who won this one month. To Rob's surprise, he does not know. He just won himself a free uh, movie rental code through Fandango now because he reviewed the most episodes since the last monthly update for himself. So Rob, I'll be in contact with you. You won yourself a free rental through Fandango now because you had the most episodes reviews. Now, one of the new, all the people who were new to reviewing The Basement Binge, I also entered to win a monthly update to see just of the new people. Sam Thompson, I'm going to be in contact with you as well. Thank you for the review. That was very kind of you. You just won a free screen pass through Movies Anywhere. I'll be in contact with you to share that with you. So thank you for those who left reviews on podchaser.com. The opportunity is even larger for the month of April in the giveaways you can get here at the basement bin in addition to the good that you can do through leaving simple reviews. So go to podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Leave all the reviews you possibly can. Just 20 characters or more and you'll do an amazing good for an organization that blesses people's lives who I've developed a great love for. 
Thank you for that long introduction about something that's extremely exciting that I could not express. How mu- how, I don't know. It's just the best news ever. I opened up my phone to see an email this morning. I thought, wow, what is the timing that I'm doing a monthly update and doing a giveaway and it goes perfectly in line with reviews for good. It was a great thing to see this morning. Got, just got me super excited and I couldn't wait to sit down and record and talk about this. But that is just the tip of a very big iceberg that we are about to get into with the monthly update. So that's enough about Podchaser. One last time, podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge. Enter a chance to win some free movies. Help out The Basement Binge by leaving reviews and let me know what you like. In addition to helping out Meals on Wheels America's Go Further Fund and giving meals to those at home who need it. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, moving on. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. Let's start off this monthly update by looking back at the month, months of March and all the things that happened. We got WandaVision happening. That was the closing finale. If you want to check out any thoughts I have about that, you can check out Matt Goes to the Movies. Also, Falcon and the Winter Soldier started. Matt Goes to the Movies. Myself, Matt, and Rob, we are reviewing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier over at Matt Goes to the Movies. You can check that out. So the MCU is expanding on Disney+, and it's really interesting, and it's super exciting to see that happening. We just have a whole slew of contents that's happening. We have... MCU films, we also got some dates for, M- or we have MCU series on Disney+, Plus. we have some dates for MCU films in theaters and on Disney+, Plus. and then we have Loki coming. Man, the MCU just has a lot. We finally got a release date for Black Widow, which I'm going to get to when we lo- get to the look forward and the release dates. Also, I wanted to mention that there are timestamps in the description because there's so much to cover. I'm going to be jumping everywhere. If you just want to hear something, there are timestamps. Feel free to follow those. That is there for you. So other exciting news. Theaters are opening up across the United States, specifically two huge box office markets, California and New York. The box office is making a comeback. Super exciting. In LA, they're able to, theaters were originally opened at 25% capacity. Now they're up to 50% capacity, which is about 200 people per auditorium. In New York City, it's about 25% capacity, which is about 50 people. Super exciting. Now, on that note, Christopher Nolan, he was backing up his talk with his walk, and he went there. He was one of the first people in line in the AMC LA theater with his wife. They had some popcorn. Who knew what movie they saw, but they went. Maybe he went and saw Tenet. Probably not because he's not that type of person, but he was there, right? So all this talk about HBO Max and, and, and theatrical releases and exposition and all that, he was there right when it opened. I'm sure he was genuinely excited. I don't think it was just a facade that he was put on to cover up his talk, his big talk. I genuinely think he was excited to be back in the theater. Now, on kind of a funny note as well, with all this talk about Christopher Nolan and theatrical releases and HBO Max and all that, Tenant is coming to HBO Max on May 1st. He called it the worst streaming service. Well, now they're showing his movies, whatever, May 1st. Look forward to Tenant on HBO Max. But it's exciting to see that these movie theaters are opening up. California, specifically LA and New York, are two of the biggest markets in the US box office. And what's great from what I've been reading in interviews, people feel safe at the movies when they go. Oh, pfft, duh. Now that I, like I said that, you know how you write things down that doesn't click till you say it? Anyway, now that I say that, duh, why would someone who doesn't feel safe be at the movie for the chance to talk, be interviewed about going to the movies? Whatever. I feel safe at the movie theaters. The people who are going feel safe at the movie theaters. Christopher Nolan did. The theaters here in Utah, they've done a great job at making it feel like a clean socially distanced place, so it's exciting to see that. Other theaters opening, Regal Cinemas, which is the second largest theater chain here in the U.S. beside or behind AMC. They are opening up. 
April 2nd, tomorrow. Super exciting for them and also great for the box office because of the huge chain that they are behind AMC. There's also some exciting news with them opening up about Warner Brothers. So I don't know if you guys remember that monthly update and all the news everywhere. I wasn't the only one where Warner Brothers made the decision to release all their 2021 films on HBO Max, which has been fun. It's been exciting. I've been enjoying it. I know that Matt and other people I talked to have been loving it. It's exciting. I was pretty harsh on Warner Brothers, which I feel kind of dumb. I wish I could take some of that back, but whatever. You live and you learn. I was harshest on them that they were saying, oh, we're going to have a good relationship with theaters and we want to, you know, this is just a temporary thing. We're going to go back to a traditional theatrical release in 2022. And I was like, well, you can't put the genie back in the box. I was pretty harsh. They have been great to theaters. They have, as far as leasing the film goes, they've been very good to work with as compared to somebody like Disney, who sadly hasn't been the best. So Warner Brothers, in addition to being kind to theaters in the way that they are able to show films theatrically for 2021, they also are keeping their promise. So for 20, as part of this deal with Cineworld, who's the parent company of Regal, we had some insights into Warner Brothers' plan for 2022 release, theatrical releases. So in 2022, Warner Brothers has now signed a contract, so it's contractually obligational, to have a 45 theatrical release in the U.S. before moving to streaming or video on demand. 45-day theatrical release. So that's exciting. That's before it can be on streaming or video on demand. So they are keeping their word. They're going back to a more traditional theatrical release. Now, granted, that is half the time. It used to be 90 days, but that's in line with Paramount, who also made the move from 90 days down to 45 um, in the UK with Warner Brothers, it's going to be 31 days and then can be extended to 48, five days, depending on high enough box office gross. In the UK, does that mean that they're going to get a theatrical release 15 days later or streaming video on demand service 15 days earlier? I, I don't know. But either way, a 45 day theatrical window here in the US is a big deal. And Warner Brothers is keeping their word. Um, so they're taking it seriously to work with these theaters. And I kind of feel bad for being harsh on them. Um, I think part of it also might be some of the backlash that they took from a lot of their high-profile filmmakers. I think it kind of pushed their hand. We still have to see an update on Dune. I've been keeping my ears perked everywhere I can about any update on that. I still know that Denis Villeneuve is trying to get it theatrically only, and by October, the vaccine should be pretty normal, so we'll see. Keeping my ears perked. That's just really exciting to see that theatrical box office is surviving. More on that in a minute. We're going to talk about Godzilla. But first, we have to talk about the behemoth that is Zack Snyder's Justice League. It is doing well on HBO Max. It's such a fascinating to talk about, especially with streaming numbers. Before we dive into Zack Snyder's Justice League, quickly, I wanted to give an update. The films I talked about last month, the update, Tenant, Greenland, Monster Hunter, and now the new edition, The Father, probably helped out a bunch by the Oscars is doing great on video on demand worldwide and in the US. Pretty consistent with last month, so good for them. But let's get into the big topic, Zack Snyder's Justice League on HBO Max. How is it performing? On an episode I was doing on Matt Goes to the Movies, Rob talked about how he's excited for this monthly update to see what the numbers were with Zack Snyder's Justice League. And Rob, if you're listening, I so probably like two hours of that four hours that I spent preparing this episode was probably on Zack Snyder's Justice League and trying to understand these reports. Because streaming numbers, 
the reports for them are incredibly limited and ex- confusing. So to sum it up as simply as I can, it's doing well on HBO Max. Doing fairly, like really well, actually. But numbers are weird. It's just about number one everywhere that it can be as far as HBO Max goes, but that's kind of expe- expected. HBO Max has been promoting it a ton, and it also has a huge fan following. I know that Matt has watched it like five times, even though it's four hours long. But let's get into the numbers that we are able to see. So Bloomberg has reported that downloads of the HBO Max mobile app increased 64% for the week ending March 28th over the previous week. So that's the week after the film's release, according to the app data analysis service, Aptopia. So that's about 1.48 million people downloaded the app. That's not necessarily new subscribers because someone could have been subscribed and just didn't have the mobile app because these numbers are just specifically for the mobile app. Bloomberg also reports an 8.9 increase in users opening the app. So a total of 119.1 million launches of the mobile app. So you see how already in this first statistic, these numbers are kind of limited. We don't know if it's new subscribers. We don't know if they had that app before. And we don't know, yeah, we don't know, are they part of like a family where they are sharing the app? We, and it's just mobile app. It's pretty limited. But we can compare that number to some competitors. So during that same week, Disney Plus had a big launch as well with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Bloomberg reported 69.7 million app sessions for Disney Plus versus 119 million. So significant difference there. It was only an increase of about 0.4% from previous weeks and a 4% increase in mobile app downloads for Disney+. Plus. So 64% more app downloads for HBO Max versus 6%. That's a big deal in addition to app sessions doing pretty well. But again, we also don't know that that's just for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Maybe they wanted to binge watch Game of Thrones. I have no idea. We just know that they use the app. Other things, Disney Plus reportedly already has over 100 million subscribers which is way more than HBO Max, and it makes sense because the more subscribers that you have, the less new subscribers you can get, the less new downloads you get. So it's all just a mess when it comes to numbers. And I wasn't able to find any solid data about HBO Max numbers, just that they're projecting to have between 67 and 70 million subscribers by the end of the year. So still like 30 million less than Disney currently has is what HBO Max is projecting to have. So I don't know. These numbers, I'm confused by just as much as you. It, what we're able to pull from them is extremely limited. I just want to give what I can. So take all of this for what you want. But the more people have the service, the less new subscribers you can gain. So maybe that's a part of HBO Max's big deal. But I also think it's genuinely just because the Zack Snyder cut is doing well. So to sum it back up, about 120 million launches, app launches, mobile app launches for HBO Max compared to about 70 million for Disney Plus. Big difference. But let's talk about other de- devices. This is where the numbers get even more limited, but still, they're still positive numbers. It's just even more limited what we're able to find. So, according to this third party data analytics, Zomba TV reports 2.2 million US households and about 954,000 UK households watched Zack Snyder's Justice League in the first week. Okay? Now, that is an extremely limited number because Zama TV only reports 
for quote, opted in smart TVs with automatic content recognition technology. Wow. That is a super specific number. I watched the Zack Snyder's Justice League on Roku, not a smart TV. I am outside of that metric. That's one person who is. So there's one of probably many considering that Roku is one of the biggest streaming services. Okay. So very specific metric, very limited what we're able to take from it, okay? But 2.2 million in the US plus 954,000 in the UK. Now, if we do some quick math here, okay? Let's do some quick math. 2.2 so of these limited numbers that we do have, 2.2 million US households plus 90 954 UK households, which is roughly about 3.2 million households total, okay? So if we take a very generous amount, because we have no idea how many people are in each household, we had no idea how many of them would purchase tickets, but let's take a generous amount and say they spent $30 of each household is $30 worth of tickets because every household has different amounts of people and tickets have varying prices. This is an extremely generous amount. A more accurate amount might be $10, but I'm going to be generous and say 30 because some households have multiple people. Okay, so 3.2 million households watched the film that we know of. Each household paid about $30. That is close to a $95 million opening weekend gross. That's pretty good. But again, $30 is extremely generous. And we also have no idea what the actual numbers are because streaming reports are incredibly limited. Again, showing the superior of the theatrical release. I'm I'm just kidding. That's kind of silly. But really, these streaming numbers are so complicated. So it's super limited, but it does mean that the film actually is probably doing extremely well, right? That super limited opted-in smart TVs with automatic contact recognition technology, there's probably way more people than that 2.2 million in the US that watched it because they didn't fall into that super specific category. So that means there's probably millions of people who watched it. That's great. What we are able to know has been confirmed is that this Zack Snyder's Justice League still is less than Wonder Woman 1984. And the reports that we have about that Wonder Woman 1984 from the week between Christmas and New Year's is outperformed what Zack Snyder's Justice League did. Let's dive into some other details that Zomba TV provides. What they do know is that 1.8 million households of their metrics that they do have watched at least five minutes of the movie's 242-minute super long runtime within the first three days of release, okay? So 1.8 households watched at least five minutes of the four-hour movie within the first three days of the release. Again, this is all within the limited metric that Zomba TV is able to report. That five-minute metric is important, though, because Zomba TV counts a viewer as someone who's watched over five minutes. So 1.8 million viewers through that limited metric within the first three days of release, that's pretty good. But if you dive into the data, you find out that only about a third of those 1.8 million actually finished it. But I do know many people have broken up the film over time. So again, just chucking out numbers, throwing them at the wall and see what sticks, because all of this is just trying to decipher mush it it, the numbers and the statistics are very limited and are all really to say the film is doing pretty good 
But let's compare it to some of its biggest competition to make a little bit more sense of these numbers. 1.7 million households watched the Marvel Limited series in the same time frame. There's also reports saying that The Falcon and the Winter Soldier is Disney's plus biggest series premiere between both WandaVision and The Mandalorian. So The Falcon and the Winter Soldier so far is the biggest premiere for Disney plus and with the limited data we do have, Zack Snyder's Justice League did beat out The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But looking at Disney's Plus data, it's really confusing in the information that I'm able to see just about every single time. Moana and Frozen 1 or 2 are usually near the top in the global and U.S. numbers, and streaming data is super confusing and not very revealing because even with The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Moana is still at the top of the list. I guess people who have Disney Plus really love that film because just about like every week, every month I check, Moana is at the number one spot. I don't know. People love Moana, I guess. But Back to Zack Snyder's Justice League. None of this about Disney Plus or these limited numbers I've been able to talk about Zack Snyder's Justice League is to say it's doing well. It's mainly to just criticize streaming reports and numbers and how confusing and unhelpful they are in judging a film's, quote, success. Because even with these watch numbers, even if we had more specific data, None of that is as important as the financial side of it, which comes through new subscribers and subscriber retention. If you didn't know, Warner Brothers and AT&T, the parent company of HBO Max, spent $70 million to finish Zack Snyder's Justice League. In essence, to boost their streaming service, HBO Max. So, I mean, I still think that that's a great idea. If you are going to do the Snyder Cut, which is not a great idea financially for, like, box office, why spend more money on a film that you already lost tons of money on? But to use it to boost your new streaming service? That's genius. But trying to calculate monthly subscribers and price returns is pretty much impossible, especially in comparison to that $70 million price point. But I'm going to try and do it anyway because that's what this monthly update is all about. So assuming that the 1.48 million new downloads from the mobile app that we talked about earlier, right? So 1.48 million new downloads were all new paying subscribers. Again, this is a very generous estimation. All of them are brand new. At $14.99, that's a monthly haul of around $22 million. So if all of those new mobile app downloads were subscribers... Zack Snyder's Justice League earned HBO Max $22 million. Again, that's assuming they're all new. And what if they cancel next month? And what if they weren't even downloading it for Zack Snyder's Justice League? We don't know. I'm doing the best I can with these numbers here. So if all of these assumed new subscribers that we're talking about stayed for a full year, that is $266 million that potentially Zack Snyder's Justice League made for HBO Max by having this many assumed new subscribers stay for an entire year. But that is taking so many assumptions that are kind uh, and generous to HBO Max. We haven't even begun to talk about the complexion of other projects trying to earn money on HBO Max. Zack Snyder's Justice League isn't the only reason or only film on HBO Max. There's all of Warner Brothers films released in 2021 on HBO Max. And there's all the other Max originals and all the other things they're paying to license on there. So even those assumed one point four, eight million new subscribers earned HBO Max $266 million for the year. It's not just for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So financially, is this film a success? I don't know. Streaming numbers are weird and they're not accurate at all to judge a film 
successfully through finances. Because most of the time in the traditional box office that we got used to, we could judge a film's success in two different ways, critical reception and financial reception, maybe even like academic perception and awards. Stream projects, none of that is even, I mean, kind of the awards and kind of critical response. But as far as like money, uh, I don't know, it's, it, it's impossible. It, it's interesting because in about a month, we're probably going to get a bunch of annoying articles about how less new subscribers signed up for HBO Max when Mortal Kombat was released compared to Zack Snyder's Justice League. Those articles are stupid because, duh, you can't sign up twice. Well, actually, we'll get more into Mortal Kombat in a minute. But, like, let's say 2 million people signed up for Zack Snyder's Justice League and they stayed for Mortal Kombat. That's 2 million people who can't sign up again. So it's just, it's so confusing trying to figure this out. Zack Snyder's Justice League. How's it doing? Well, its critical reception has been phenomenal. Its fan reception has also been phenomenal. So it's a win in that it exists, and it's a win for the fans. It seems to be a win for HBO Max as far as numbers go. It seems to have tons of reports doing well. The critical reception was well, and even as with this mess of numbers that I kind of made up just to see what stuck, it seems like it earned HBO Max some money. Did it earn back the $70 million? We'll probably never know unless they flat out give us a report. But what we can assume is that it did garner them new subscribers, which is what it's all about, even if they're playing the long game. Other things, we're seeing tons of reports that HBO Max specifically is wanting to keep the Snyderverse alive, separate from Warner Brothers' DC theatrical films. Warner Media CEO called Zack Snyder's Justice League the conclusion of Zack Snyder's trilogy and talked about expanding the fan base beyond the Zack Snyder fandom and how they're incorporating great characters and filmmakers, which we are going to talk about a lot in a minute when we get to looking forward. But the the CEO was pretty clear that as far as the Snyderverse goes, they're pretty much done. You know, the fact that the Snyder cut exists at all is pretty much a miracle. The Restore the Snyderverse army, I think the limited few of them are being extremely annoying and I don't think it's working. Even Zack, the comments he've made while vague, also provides some type of conclusion that the Snyderverse is over. Now, one last thing here. If it isn't obvious, I hope HBO Max is learning this, what we all should have learned from the rise of Skywalker, because the Snyderverse maniacs are making it clear. Studios shouldn't only listen to the loudest fans. I like to believe that these Snyderverse fanatics that are review bombing Godzilla vs. Kong on IMDb claiming to unsubscribe from HBO Max and boycott Warner Brothers unless they restore the Snyderverse and unrelentingly commenting on Warner Brothers' Instagram posts about stopping Asian hate with restore the Snyderverse. Like, that just... Really? It, it reminds me of the same thing that happened last year when Kobe Bryant passed away and Warner Brothers made a comment about it. Like, the things that are happening in the re- real world mean a lot more than just any film universe. And to see a fandom that like would take away from that by hashtag restore the Snyderverse or hashtag restore any verse, pick any one you want. When the fandom is like that, it's, it's annoying for me to want to support them because there's matters at hand bigger than any film universe. And maybe that's kind of blunt to say. And I like to think that those loud people are the minority and the majority of people who like the Snyderverse and like the Snyder films like my good friends who do aren't that they're the loud but few sadly we've got to deal with them so i don't know maybe warner meter media is going to find a way to capitalize on both the snyderverse and warner brothers theatrical dceu films and their multiverse that they're working on through an hbo max 
theatrical type thing. I don't know. It might end up being a win-win. I doubt it. I think the Snyderverse has been completed, and I'm just grateful for Zach as an individual, as another human being, that he was able to finish that project. It was ripped away from him from tragedy, and watching it, it was a passionate reclaiming of a project that was probably extremely cathartic for him. And it seems like the fans have enjoyed it as well. So, with all that extremely complicated and super long talk about one particular streaming film that I don't even like that much, I'm sorry, I mean, it's not a bad film, don't, don't comment at me. Um, Let's talk about something even more exciting, and that is Godzilla vs. Kong at the box office, okay? So yesterday, Godzilla vs. Kong opened on HBO Max and in theaters here in the U.S. It did get an earlier release overseas, and as of time of recording this, it has already cranked in, you ready? $123 million in the international box office. China already accounted for like $70 million of that. That's amazing. In just day one here at the U.S., on a Wednesday, it earned $9.6 million, almost $10 million. We're about to head into a weekend, Easter weekend, no less. I'm hoping for like a $50 million opening weekend for Godzilla vs. Kong, which would be amazing numbers to see during the pandemic when theaters are at limited capacity. And $50 million, this is why I think it might be able to happen here in the U.S. On Wednesday, when the film opened to $9.6 million, there was only... 2,409 locations open. On Friday, there's going to be 3,064 locations, almost about 500 more locations. It's also a weekend. Wednesday isn't the biggest day to go see a movie, right? The weekend is. My wife and I, for example, are going on Friday. I'm super excited. So what is it? Just just for comparison, so we can make sense of this, Godzilla versus Godzilla vs. Kong is the film we're talking about. So far, it's already cranked in about $125 million if I round up a little bit. So $125 million, Nice, easy number. Kong Skull Island in its worldwide release grossed $566 million. So $125 to $566, we're already at about a fifth. That's pretty good for a short amount of time, and we're just barely getting into U.S. markets. And the U.S. markets are also opening up in the theaters. Granted, Kong Skull Island was way back before we even knew what the pandemic was. But to move on to the other film, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, that grossed worldwide $386 million and only made $40 million its opening weekend. So if Godzilla vs. Kong can crank out $50 million in a coronavirus opening weekend, holy smokes, that's awesome. So, so what does all this mean? I think it really shows that, one, people want to see this movie on the big screen. I'm going in theaters because I'm trusting the reviewers for once who say, go see this on a big screen. And I also thought, you know, this is a big, dumb movie where I'm just going to see two monsters punch each other. That's going to be way more fun in a theater. And I'm really excited to go. Now, I was just, this is just something I do. I was acting as if I was buying tickets to see how full the theater is. And in a lot of theaters here in Utah, at least, they're getting kind of full. Now, granted, a lot of that is because of the social distancing that goes into effect when you purchase a ticket because of limited capacity, but still, it's getting pretty full. That's a, that's a good sign. So again, I'm going on Friday, which is tomorrow. You can expect a spoiler-free reaction on that, but I'm excited to see the big, big dumb movie on a big screen. I just think it's exciting to look at these. The early reviews are, are good for the film, but I think it's mainly that people are excited to be seeing a big tentpole film on a big screen, and that even if a film's at home on HBO Max, they want to go back to a big screen. Wow. That was a lot. That was... <laughs> a lot to cover of things that have happened in the past month. We're not done here. We got to finish up by talking about what happened here at the Basement Binge, right? I got to show myself some love just a little bit. 
Now, again, please go leave those reviews on podchaser.com if you've listened to any of these episodes that you haven't left a review for. It's going to do a great deal, and the month of April is the only time to do it. Of course, entering to win all the free movies I've talked about, but also doing a bunch of good for Meals on Wheels. So for the month of March, we had the Chaos Walking spoiler-free reaction, which was tons of fun, and it's been irking me. i got to take this back. In the, in the Pick Your Poison for Chaos Walking, I said that I would buy the film. I, I, I'm not going to buy it. I'd take that back. I'd, I'd probably stream it. And it's been bothering me that I said I would buy it. I think I was just overexcited about being able to go see a movie in theaters again. And I like really like Daisy Ridley. And I think it just consumed my actual appreciation for the film. But everything else on the podcast, I still stand by. I just, just mentally, I had to fix that. We also had a Missing Link episode, which was tons of fun. We talked about the Golden Glows in a very late monthly update. Some WandaVision closing thoughts, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And then a short film that I talked about when I was miserable with a cold. So I'm sorry that in, there was that weird limbo time. But I was very sick and very miserable and didn't feel like trying to get on here and be excited. What is exciting is, one, this monthly update is happening. And also, tomorrow, immediately after this, the Your Name episode is coming, which I've been putting a ton of work in and I'm very excited about. So that's what happened here at the base and binge. Again, we also gave away a free movie rental through Fandango now to Rob. Again, Rob, thank you so much for the reviews. And Sam fought, earned for himself a screen pass through Movies Anywhere. So if you want to get one of those things, or a La La Land or Last Jedi digital copy code, go leave a review on podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay, let's move on. Looking forward to the month of April and what's happening. Wow, there's a lot to talk about. How long is this episode so far? Whoo, thank goodness for timestamps. We're an hour in. <laughs> okay, so new release dates. There's lots of them. One of the biggest one is Disney and Marvel Studios. So let's jump right into it. Kind of tease this out at the beginning. Black Widow has a new release date and a new release strategy. It's been pushed back from May to July 9th. So it will be released on July 9th. It's going to do a dual release in theaters and on Disney Plus with the stupid premiere access. Ugh. Okay. It caused Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings to be moved back to September 3rd with an expected typical theatrical release without the whole Disney Plus thing. Another film, Cruella, Disney film, was is currently on schedule for May 28th. It will be in theaters and a Disney Plus premiere access. Again, that premiere access is the stupid $30 additional fee in addition to your Disney Plus subscriber cost, which is increasing this month. Awesome. Disney loves money. Moving on to the next film, Luca, the new Pixar film, is getting a Disney Plus exclusive release on June 18th at no additional cost. I'm sad about that. that that's one of the things that just breaks my heart. And it breaks my heart more than anything else for Pixar. Disney is making a big deal about Black Widow. It's making a big deal about Cruella. It made a big deal about Raya and the Last Dragon with this Disney Plus premiere access. They thought that in addition to the price of Disney Plus, it was also worth an additional $30 for anyone who wanted to see it. Raya and the Last Dragon only took about $71 million globally and $23 million here in the U.S. Pretty decent pandemic numbers, but also reading that after Godzilla vs. Kong gets me excited. Anyway. Those numbers, it, it may, the strategy makes sense. Okay, I get it. Let me, let me step away from Luca. I'm going to come back to that in a bit. But Disney's strategy makes sense. 70 million globally, that is not, not good numbers for a big blockbuster like Black Widow and Cruella. So to do this dual release thing where they can fork over $30 from your hard-earned cash for, on Disney Plus and get a theatrical release makes sense. I'm probably not going to do the, the premiere access. I still haven't for Raya because I just refuse to. I think it's kind of ridiculous. Especially when a film like Luca 
that is an amazing Pixar film that the trailer looks awesome is being released on Disney Plus at no additional cost. There's been some reports that that employees at Pixar are kind of discouraged by this, brokenhearted, their spirits are down, because why is their hard work with Soul or Luca not worthy of a $30 additional fee? Why isn't Pixar worthy of that, but Raya is? What what makes Raya $30 better than Soul or Luca? I mean, Soul's gone on to be like a powerhouse at the awards. Probably going to earn Best Animated Feature, most likely. I don't know. It, it, it's sad to see that, and I can see, I understand why those Pixar employees would be disappointed. I don't really think that it's Disney trying to say anything about the worth of the film. I think it's just they're trying to figure out some release strategy for the weird box office and its recovery, which I will say, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with that. Cinemark didn't make a deal with Disney. Like I said earlier, Disney's been harder to work with with this weird dual release than any other studio. Cinemark, which is the biggest movie theater chain here in Utah and in also parts of the US, but specifically here in Utah, they didn't show Raya at all which is like a huge deal. Cinemark is huge here in Utah, and I know it is in a bunch of other places as well. Ryan the Last Dragon was not at Cinemark, period, because they didn't reach a deal with Disney. So I wonder what's going to happen with Cruella and Black Widow. Is Cinemark just going to be like, nah, we're good, or are they going to figure it out? Because those are like two really big hits, specifically Black Widow. I mean, I'm excited to go see both of those films in theaters, so who knows? Only time will tell. Subscribe to The Basement Binge to get the next monthly update. <laughs> okay, moving on to the next thing. Disney also hasn't totally given up on theaters. They're not just going to full Disney Plus, Hulu type releases. But that's mainly with their smaller 20th Century Fox films that they're sticking to the theater. So specifically, Free Guy got moved to April, or excuse me, August 13th. Eternals is now November 5th. West Side Story, which is a 20th Century Fox film, is December, or excuse me, 20th Century, is December 10th. The King's Man, December 22nd. Deep Water got moved to January 14th, and Death on the Nile got moved to February 11th of 2022. Now, a quick note about Death on the Nile. That's the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, um, and Army Hammer is one of the big stars. He's like the second main star in the film. There's currently some controversy around Army Hammer that I have no interest in getting into. If you want, Google. that They're great at giving you what you want, but... Whether you like the drama of Hollywood or not, the, the fact is true that there is controversy around Army Hammer right now. And I think that part of the Death on the Nile release is for Disney to kind of see what happens. Let's ride out this wave. Let's see if in a year from now, people forget about it. Because the other options is that they can try and reshoot the film, which would be extremely expensive. One, because of COVID restrictions. But two, it's like an ensemble cast movie. So it's not just like you got to get somebody to replace Army Hammer. You got to get somebody to replace Army Hammer. And then you got to get the person that he's acting against back into the film. Like, you know how expensive that would be? And all these people have schedules. That's probably impossible to reshoot it. The other option is that they can just like, whatever, forget the project. Army Hammer, he's a problem. We're done with it. That's not going to happen, right? Even if they release it and everybody hates Army Hammer, but the people who don't know or don't care, and it only makes like $2 million, still, Disney would rather make $2 million than zero. The other option is that they may just kind of wait out and then release it on Hulu, but we'll see. Again, I don't really care. I don't particularly care about that film. I did not like Murder on the Orient Express, but whatever. That's just something to be aware of if you care. So the summer blockbuster season still might be strong for studios, right? You saw some strong summer films with Disney, like 
Black Widow being moved there, Cruella kind of starting it off, and also Free Guy. But Disney isn't the only one. With Black Widow being moved from the beginning of May, it's going to be a, a, a start off launch to the blockbuster summer season Memorial Weekend with A Quiet Place 2, currently on May 28th, competing against Cruella. Then after that, we're going to get Black Widow on Ju- June, or excuse me, we're going to get Into the Heights, excuse me, I had my dates mixed up, Into the Heights, which is also simultaneously going to be released on HBO Max. That's the Lin-Manuel Miranda film that I'm extremely excited about. That's being released June 18th. Then Fast 9, June 25th, Top Gun, July 2nd, and Black Widow, July 9th. From what I can see, Quiet Place 2 is still just a typical theatrical release. Same with Fast 9 and Top Gun. I know that Paramount Plus, with their new service that they've been pushing, still doesn't want to just, they still want a theatrical release. They're they're holding out. Apple bid a lot of money for Top Gun, and they said no. Paramount said no, because they, they want that theatrical release. They want to return, so I hope it goes well for them. Other release dates moving. Venom 2 got pushed back by a week to September 24th. Mainly not to compete with Death on the Nile, which then ended up being moved anyway, but now it also won't have to compete with Boss Baby. But it is going to compete with Dear Evan Hansen, which I'm very excited about, and The Many Saints of Newark, which is Warner Brothers film that's also going to be on HBO Max. So Venom 2, moving to that team, makes sense that they think that they can have a better competition against a musical that not many people know about and a film that people are going to catch at home on HBO Max. So we'll see what happens with Venom 2, September 24th. Lastly, Mortal Kombat was moved back by a week from April 16th to April 23rd. Mortal Kombat, again, another Warner Brothers film being released in theaters and on HBO Max. The, the, the official reason is that they didn't want to take away ticket sales from Godzilla versus Kong. That was their reasoning for moving it back a week, which, I mean, makes sense, especially with Godzilla doing really well at the box office. It would make sense that they'd want to continue that. I also think that it's a genius, greedy thing to move it back just enough for HBO Max subscribers, right? Zack Snyder's Justice League, which, like we just talked about, probably got a bunch of people to sign up for HBO Max, launched March 18th. And Mortal Kombat was slated to release April 16th. So signing up on March 18th, or the day after, you would have got Zack Snyder's Justice League, Godzilla vs. Kong, and Mortal Kombat all released with through one payment. That's genius. Well, then they did a bait and switch and they moved it to April 3rd. So if you want Mortal Kombat on HBO Max, you got to keep it for the first second month. You know, that's how it works. It's about the money. They win, whatever. I don't know. Genius strategy when it comes to money. Those, those are your release dates. Other movie news happening with Marvel Studios and Disney. Marvel Studios is a big thing. Lots of news happening about that. Russell Crowe has been cast for a small role in the Thor Love and Thunder film. I think it's going to be something like Matt Damon in Thor Ragnarok, that funny play thing. I don't know. It's a pretty small role, but I know Russell Crowe's awesome, so I'm excited for that. The Eternals is finishing up post-production, and there's been super exciting things I've been seeing about that. There's reports that Marvel is almost in disbelief with what they got from Eternals. Feige earlier said that it's one of the best pitches he's ever seen. Um... People connected to the project are extremely excited about it. I mean, which makes sense. Who's not excited about their own project? But they're claiming it might be the best film they've ever produced. Now, listening to Chloe Zhao, the director, she mentions a lot how she had an amazing team that she loved working with. Because something interesting, she's being nominated for Best Picture, and she won Best Picture at the Golden Globes for her film Nomadland, which is a great film. 
She was editing and finishing up No Man Land the same time she's working on post-production, visual effects, those types of things for Eternals. Now, Chloe Zhao did the editing herself for Nomadland, so that's like two totally different projects, but she talked about how both of them, she had an amazing team behind her that she loved working with and how both of them, she had a lot of creative control, including in Eternals. And she, in all the interviews I talked, she said, I really want to emphasize this because people don't believe it, but I had a lot of creative control. They shot on location. They used her stylistic wide lenses. I mean, it all just sounds super exciting. I'm pumped for Eternals, and I'm really glad that someone as talented as Chloe Zhao gets to do the film. And it's not just like Kevin Feige came along and plucked her up. Like, she was a huge fan of Eternals. And she, it's funny, she calls it a manga instead of the comic, but she was excited about it. And obviously, she had a great pitch, like Kevin Feige said. So I'm excited to see that. We also, with Disney+, Plus, got the cast reveal of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which starts filming this month, April. I'm very excited about that, okay? We have Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan, Hayden Christensen as Darth Vader, Joel Edgerton back as young Uncle Owen, and Bonnie Piesi as young Aunt Beru. We also have Moses Ingram, Kumal Nanjani, Indara Varman, Rupert Friend, Osha Jackson Jr., Sung Kong, Simone Kessel, and Benny Safdie. I probably mispronounced everybody's name because I'm horrible with names, but that's a super exciting thing that's filming right now. Can't wait for that series. We also got a new trailer for Bad Batch, the Clone Wars branch-off series. That's streaming on Disney Plus May 4th. That was a sweet trailer. Disney Plus also had some news with approving a National Treasure 10-episode series written by the same duo that wrote the original films and produced by the same famous man, Jerry Buckheimer. Uh, Mira Nair, I think that's how you're saying her name, is going to direct. It will follow new characters, young characters, with the lead character, Jess... Morales, who is 20 years old, it's going to discover patriotism and identity and all those types of great things. Young cast, very excited about that 10-episode series. I love National Treasure. There's also news that the third film is in work. It has the same original director and older cast. I don't know if they're going to connect. I don't know, but both of those are in the works at Disney. I love National Treasure. Can't wait to talk about that. But there's still more to talk about, not with Disney, but with DC. So there's this whole tinfoil hat theory that has to do with Restore the Snyderverse. So rest- the hashtag Restore the Snyderverse, right? The hashtag campaigning to not just release the Snyder Cut, which we got, but to restore the Snyder Cut, get new cut of the, the Suicide Squad, and also allow Zack Snyder to finish out his sequels. That fandom behind that hashtag made it trending on Twitter every day of the week following the release of Zack Snyder's Justice League. That week also started with the CEO of Warner Brothers stating that it's the conclusion to the trilogy like we already talked about earlier. Probably for the same reason that both of those events happened. So a lot of people with their tinfoil hats are saying, well, Warner Brothers saw the backlash with the Restore the Snyder Converse hashtag and decided to release a ton of super excited news about DC and the films that they're making. I don't know if that's the reasons why. Either way, there was tons of news. So let's talk about it. The Flash movie has tons of casting decisions. So Barry's dad... Um, Billy Curd, Crud, Crudup, probably mispronounced his name, who I thought was amazing in Zack Snyder's Justice League, has some scheduling issues. He is being recast by Ron Livingston. So again, Ron Livingston will play Henry Allen. There is a cast for Young Barry Allen by somebody I don't know. And then Swarzy Monica Jackson in, in an undisclosed role. And same with Rudy Mancuso, who was famous from Vine. I don't know if he's going to be like a friend of Barry Allen or a villain, but he's got a small role. 
Black Adam also had some super exciting casting. So this is the Dwayne Johnson Shazam universe film. Uh, finishing out the casting for the Justice Society of America, which is in essence the previous Justice League. So right, the Justice League that was older, meaning like previously in time before the Justice League. Uh, the final member of that, Dr. Fate, the cast of that being Pierce Brosnan, James Bond. That's how I know him. People who know the character of Dr. Fate are extremely excited. I, I didn't read any DC comics. I mainly watched Teen Titans. That was like the only DC thing I got. I really grew up with Marvel. So people have told me that he's like the DC version of Dr. Strange, a very powerful wizard. And they seem extremely excited about the casting of Pierce Brosnan. So that's exciting. To round out the Justice Society of America. So Aldous Hodge is cast as Hogman. Noah Centineo as Adam Smasher. Quintessa Swindell as Cyclone. And Marwin Kanzari, who played Jafar in the Adam or in the Aladdin film. Uh, he's currently in an undisclosed role. We also got some casting for the Shazam sequel with Helen Mirren, who is always amazing, cast as the villain for it. We also got some news about the Static Shock live action film that's being produced by Michael B. Jordan that Randy McKinnon is writing it. Randy McKinnon just came off writing Safety, the film for Disney+, Plus, which has been getting some great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and was really praised in the writing for having good characters and a great heart in the writing. So that's exciting to see a talented writer like that connected to Static Shock. Lastly, to round out the DC news, we got the Suicide Squad trailer, which had everybody excited. People who are really excited about that project seem to be loving that trailer. Warner Brothers came along and just dunked on hashtag Restore the Snyderverse with all this exciting news. Probably didn't work. Restore the Snyderverse, people are claiming to boycott Warner Brothers. I don't know. It's a big mess, but there's the news. Now you know what's happening in DC. Holy smokes. There's been a ton of information, but we're not done yet. For the release dates, Black Adam also was given a release date of July 29th, 2022. It's currently the same release date as Indiana Jones 5. We'll see if those move. But wow, that's like next summer. That's really soon. Saying 2022 is next summer. That's weird. Also happening in July 2022 could be a strong box office. Black Panther 2, Minions 2, and Fantastic Beasts 3, okay? Now, don't get mad at me for mentioning Minions 2. You got to remember that the first Minions film made a billion dollars which still blows my mind. So yeah, July 2022 with Indiana Jones 5, Black Adam, Black Panther 2, Minions 2, and Fantastic Beasts 3. That's packed summer. Some of those are probably going to move. Other movie news. This one I'm extremely excited about, and thank you to my main man, Matt, from Matt Goes to the Movies, for sending this over to me. I would have missed it if it wasn't for you. Netflix purchases the Knife Out sequel for $450 million. Whew, $450 million. I couldn't be happier for my man, Ryan Johnson. I love him. So allow me just two minutes to talk about why I love Ryan Johnson. He took Star Wars to places it's never been and made something amazing out of JJ's mystery box that started with The Force Awakens, right? You don't have to agree that, that Star Wars The Last Jedi is amazing. If you listen to Matt Goes to the Movies, we make jokes about it all the time. Matt and I love it. Rob doesn't, right? That's kind of the consensus. Some people love it. Some people don't. It ended up being the highest grossing film of 2017 and is one of the highest rated Star Wars films on Rotten Tomatoes. Some people don't like it. That's fine. If you don't like it, I'm not here to convince you that you should. That might be in a later episode. But what I am trying to say is that you, I think reasonable people can agree that it's a well-made film, a well-directed film, even if it's not great Star Wars. I think the biggest complaint is that people didn't like how it quote-unquote isn't Star Wars or ruined Star Wars or whatever. I don't think that some people do. That's fine. I just... I think that it's 
at least worthy of mentioning how great and how exceptionally well made as a film The Last Jedi is because of Ryan Johnson. Now, he didn't stop there. He had some great original films way before The Last Jedi, but he didn't stop with a great blockbuster. He followed it up making a highly original film, Knives Out, on a small budget of $40 million that grossed over $300 million. That's significant gross. With a great cast, I love that film. That's super exciting. So good for him. A highly talented, creative, original filmmaker just got a deal for 450 bucks to make original movies. Like, man, original movies aren't dead. Uh, super exciting. And not just aren't they aren't dead, well-made original movies aren't dead. Now, this kind of just goes in line with Netflix's plan to kind of maintain their streaming service heavy hitter role. I don't, I don't know how to say that. I'm struggling for words. This has been a long episode. Um, but they're acquiring great, talented filmmakers and films to make this series worthy of its price tag with original content. Now, the details of the deal. It was actually a three-way bid between Amazon, Apple, and Netflix. So three studios really wanted this Knife is Out sequel, which makes sense. People are really excited about it. After the first one being a real hit, people want... I know, I'm not talking about people in the studios. I'm talking about, like, me. Viewers are excited to get Knives Out too. So, of course, these studios want it. Well, Netflix ends up winning the bid, and the deal is for two films that will be made with a first starting shooting June 28th in Greece. That's in a few months. That's really soon. Daniel Craig is the only returning cast member, and he's also the only cast member we know of. So, Daniel Craig... Ryan Johnson, Knives Out 2. There we go. I'm sure casting is going to be happening very, very soon. I'm not sure how the writing is going, though. I know in an interview I was watching with Ryan Johnson, he talked about how the, per- the first Knives Out film, he sat on for like 10 years until the opportunity came up, and he was working over that idea for the longest time, and now he's got to start with a completely blank sa- slate, but I don't know, maybe $450 million is motivation to uh, fill something up. <laughs> I'm sure the writing is coming along great, especially with shoots starting in uh, just a few months. Other moves, news, moving on from that, another studio, something I really care about, is Laika, a great stop-motion animation film responsible for films like Coraline, The Box Trolls, Paranorman, Kubo and the Two Strings, and Missing Link, those last two which I reviewed here on the podcast. They are making a move into live action with a new film adapted from John Brownlow's new novel, 17. Now, this isn't like his first attempt at live action. They tried early on when they were first starting, didn't work out too good, but they're making the, the, the second attempt. So, Bron Lowe, who wrote the, film, the book that's being released soon, uh, is also helped adapting it for the screen. He said, I'm absolutely thrilled to be developing 17 for the screen with Laika. As a longtime fan of Laika's movies for their vision, heart, craft, intelligence, and ambition, I couldn't have hoped for the novel or the universe it inhabits have found a better or more exciting home. I'm beyond honored to be a part of their plans for the future. Pretty promising. The announcement was actually made by the CEO himself, Travis Knight, also the director of Kubo and the Two Strings, who followed up directing that by directing Bumblebee and is also working on the project The $6 Billion Man with Mark Wahlberg. So maybe the transition into live action makes sense with him kind of being the head of it. There's no director connected, but this is what Travis Knight said. For the past 15 years, Laika has been committed to making movies that mattered. Across mediums and genres, our studios has fused art, craft, and technology in service of bold, distinctive, and enduring stories. With 17, Laika is taking the philosophy in an exciting new direction. 17 is a stiff cocktail of wicked wit, exhilarating action, and raw emotion. John has such a wonderfully unique voice. He's crafted a brilliant universe with its own powerful identity. 17 is a thriller with soul, 
a sinuous adrenaline-fueled action actioner with a sincere heart beating underneath its rippling pectorals. Oh, wow. Rippling pectorals. <laughs> I didn't read that last part until literally right now. Oh my gosh, that surprised me. That was hilarious. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, but guess we have rippling pectorals to look through from Leica. But that's really exciting. I love the studio of Leica. I talked about a ton in both the Missing Link and Kubo and the Two Strings, how they deserve great financial success. And maybe live action is a way to do that to maintain stop motion. And if that's what they got to do, hey, I'm all for it. I'm going to go see it. Uh, I'm also going to see the stop motion Batman film. So yeah, go, go watch some Leica movies so we can get that. Okay. Now, in a small connection to Travis Knight, let's move on and talk about Transformers because he directed Bumblebee. Man, that was a great segue. Transformer movies. There was some news that Paramount and Hasbro signed a deal for a Transformers movie on a blind script. Marco Ramirez is writing it, who's, who was involved in Daredevil and the Defenders on Netflix, and Angel Manuel Soto, I have no idea what he's been involved in, is directing. Again, that's a blind script. They have no idea. They're like, yeah, sure. We'll be, here's the money. Here's the director. Here's the writer. Now give us a product. Like They have nothing to go off. But I do know that it's separate from the Michael Bay line and kind of the revamped Bumblebee line that's supposedly all in the same thing. <sighs> They're not. They're so disjointed. But anyway, it, it's separate from that. It's going to be its own separate thing. Um, also included from Paramount, there's currently like three, maybe four, uh, uh, Transformers movies. So we have this one that I just talked about. There's also the Bumblebee 2 movie. And then Stefan Capel Jr., who directed Creed 2, also is directing his Transformers movie, which is currently in early de- development. Then they have a CGI animated prequel focused on the origin stories on Cybertron, and that's being directed by Joss Cooley, who directed Toy Story 4. That's a theatrical film, not like... Transformers has some great animated series that are on Netflix, but that's a CGI animated theatrical film. That's being written by Andrew Bearer and Gabriel Ferrari. There's also a Beast Wars movie in there somewhere, but with all the shifting news, it's hard to tell which one's which. There was at 4.15 ideas for Transformers, but currently it sounds like there's four, if I'm putting it all together right. But Transformers movies. So Paramount is taking things seriously, trying to get back in the game. Paramount is one of the longest standing film studios that hasn't been bought out by somebody else. Um, they've got some great IP and they've got talented filmmakers and, and, and divert. And it seems like Paramount is wanting to regain some, some control over money at Hollywood by having, by using their great franchises and properties with talented filmmakers and diverse stories. That seems to be the focus that, that they were pushing is that we want to expand the stories that we're telling. We're going to be talking a lot about Paramount because Paramount wants to make some money. They seem to think that the way to do that is with Transformers and streaming because they're going ham on both of those things. It's interesting to talk about, though, because Bum- I, it, this just fascinates me. One, because I do like the Transformer movies. Guilty pleasure. I'll talk about those hopefully later this year. But Bumblebee, which was their largest critical success barely made any money at the box office. It's made the least money out of all the Transformers movies. The five other movies directed by Michael Bay have made over $4 billion. Like, that's a huge franchise. So hopefully they're trying to milk that cow as much as they can. Now, Viacom, the the parent company of Paramount, also has rebranded CBS All Access into Paramount+. Plus. You saw the Super Bowl commercials and all the rebranding, promoting it as a mountain of content 
And man, those ads are relentless. They're even on my Amazon box that I haven't thrown away yet. But they are doing a lot of work. Like I mentioned, they're wanting to get back in this through streaming, through theatrical franchises with Transformers, with other films like Top Gun and A Quiet Place, but also Paramount Plus, their new streaming service, which is actually a pretty good streaming service. They are really invested in exclusive original content. When CBS All Access launched, none of the stuff was really exclusive, right? They had their, their big shows, their CBS shows. They had Nickelodeon, those things on there, but you could get those other places. Well, I mean, they had some Star Trek stuff that was exclusive, but there wasn't much, right? There wasn't a reason like, why would I get CBS All Access over something else? Well, Paramount Plus, now that's being rebranded, they're really devoted to making it a heavy hitter. With this year, $3 billion being devoted this year alone exclusively for Paramount Plus and original content. And, and next year, they're hoping every year to devote $5 billion just to Paramount Plus every year to create original exclusive content. Now, they might be doing something right. They have a lot of brands. They, they've got CBS. They've got Nickelodeon. They've got, I think, Comedy Central, if I'm remembering right. Of course, all the things for Paramount. Like, they've got tons of properties. And something seems to be working. Paramount stock has doubled. They're doing something right. Maybe Transformers really is the key to it all. I don't know. More movie news. Let's move on. Uh, Henry Golding, my man, he's rising to the top. He's back on the set of Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe spinoff film, to finish some resuits. I've talked about that film before. I'm so excited about the Snake Eyes film. It seems to be heading in a lot more mature and better direction than those first G.I. Joe films. And Henry Golding is a great action star who really is excited about the project as well. It's currently expected for October 22nd with some reshoots happening right now. That's why he's back on set. So, man. Now, to close out here with the very last thing, there's also some interesting things happening to the Space Jam posters being released and what people are doing there and the freaking out about you want to know about that you can google it i think it's quite funny i don't want to talk about it because it's just it's humorous to me Whew. that was a lot if you're still with me thank you so much for listening please go leave a review on podchaser.com this was a lot of work to compile and it was probably a lot of work for you to listen i'm glad we both had a laugh at uh rippling pectorals that, that was a good uh, intermission there so real quickly just to finish out this episode now that we finally made it to the end thank you so much if you listened through this entire thing uh, or if you just dumped, jumped around at different timestamps, thanks for listening. Hopefully the information I was able to provide was intriguing and useful to you. So thank you so much for downloading and listening to the monthly update. Please don't forget for this entire month of April, every review that you leave on podchaser.com slash the basement binge goes towards donating to Meals on Wheels and helping out the senior community in a way that I am extremely excited about. So the entire month of April... Leave as many reviews as you can on Podchaser, on any podcast, but especially The Basement Binge. You can leave a review on every episode. It helps out a ton, in addition to be entered to win a bunch of free stuff like I talked about at the beginning of the episode. Podchaser.com slash The Basement Binge or at the top of the show notes. Now, to close this out, let's talk about what's going to be happening here at The Basement Binge. Some episodes you can look forward to for the coming month of April. First, coming out tomorrow, if things stay on schedule, is the Your Name episode that I've been working on a lot that I'm extremely excited about. If you haven't seen that film, check it out before the episode, or you can wait, because in that episode, I'm going to have some spoiler-free tips about making the viewing experience even better, if that's something that would help you. After that, we'll get weathering with you, and my neighbor Totoro to round out this unexpected, 
unplanned animation season. Then we're jumping back into binging series and franchises, starting with a series that I've been waiting to get to forever, Mission Impossible. I'm super excited. I've never seen any of those films before. Extremely excited to talk about them. Uh, Can't wait for that. So that's what's happening here at the Basin Binge for April, in addition to some other things snuck in there, um, as I'm able to see films that are released in theaters and on streaming, I'll hopefully be able to get some spoiler-free thoughts out there as well. So super exciting things to, to be happening here at the Basin Binge. Other last announcement here is that my friend Matt over at Matt Goes to the Movie, his show is turning one. It's having his year anniversary at the end of April, which is super exciting. For him, uh, I've had a ton of fun over there on some Mandalorian episodes. Of course, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like I mentioned, that you can go check out Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you hear podcasts. And uh, I'll be over there for the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers. Also, what we're doing, myself, Matt, and Rob, for his year anniversary, is we're doing a Skywalker Saga episode. So if that's something you'd be interested in, you can check that out as well. So that was a really, really long episode. Hopefully, it was beneficial to you. Hopefully, it was fun and We had some laughs along the way, but that was a lot of information, so it would help me out a ton if you could leave a review on Podchaser. It's also going to a great cause this entire month of April. So thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Great more episodes to come. Thanks for your patience on the Your Name episode. Couldn't be more excited about it. But this is going to be the end of this monthly update. My name is Harrison. This is The Basin Binge. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.